0: From Sydney to Toronto to London, from New York to L.A., and all points around the globe, welcome to the My Buddy Butch Talk Show, coming to you from the sprawling MBB Radio Network Studios. Now, call the dog, get the kids feed the fish, and let the cat out. Here are the hosts of our show, the man who wants to mow your lawn, Jeff Marginian, and the dog behind the man, our executive producer, and everyone's buddy, Butch.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of (laughs) the My Buddy Butch Show. I'm your host, Jeff Marginian. And I'm also here with Butch, as always. It sounded like an intro to a, a, a thriller, didn't it? Dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> well, hey, we got a good show for you today. We got a lot to cover. Um, we got two best-selling authors. Uh, Bobby Haas. Now, Bobby Haas earned his reputation on Wall Street Uh. In the late 80s, he and uh, Tom Hicks uh, bought and sold Dr. Pepper 7-Up Dr. Pepper, <laughs> uh, and established their personal fortunes. And at 63, Bobby Haas is a preeminent photographer who hangs out of helicopters taking remarkable images of the world and wildlife. National Geographic has picked up his books. He's done a few for them. This latest book is called Miracle Man, 100 Days with Oliver. And this is a, 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 a great book about his little dog. Uh, medical Miracles, an Undying Friendship between, of course, the author and his dog. We love those kind of books here. Okay? And we're going to be talking about that. Also, Joe Camp. Now, Joe Camp, you would know Joe Camp because he is... Writer, producer of Benji. And Joe Camp is a best-selling author also. Uh, The Soul of a Horse. Okay. And his latest book is The Soul of a Horse blog. The journey continues. And just outstanding. These, These two guys, I could do four hours on these two guys. Because there is just so much interesting stuff that they've done. And they have a lot of great things to say, uh, a great love of animals and uh, their pets that have been in their lives. And uh, so we're going to get to that. And also, I saw one of the dumbest things I have ever seen in my life. We'll be right back. Jeff and Butch will be right back on the My Buddy Butch Talk Show.
0: Soldiers returning with traumatic brain injuries or other serious battle wounds often spend weeks or months in a VA hospital or other rehab facility. DVDs for Vets is collecting DVDs and portable players for distribution in our community and nationwide. Many of us take for granted our access to everyday enjoyments, and DVDs for Vets needs your help in giving these injured soldiers some diversions from the monotony of a hospital stay during recovery. To donate new or used DVDs or to learn more about this worthy cause, please go to www.dvdsforvets.org. Org. Going to the mall to buy a pair of jeans and coming home with a puppy. Lame. Adopting from a shelter or rescue organization after carefully researching dogs. Cool. Volunteering at adoption fairs to connect homeless dogs with great new families. Super cool. Helping needy dogs is fun and rewarding. For inspiration on how you can do your part, check out up4pups.org. Super cool. <laughs>
1: Bobby Haas is the chairman of the board of Haas Wheat and Partners, a Dallas-based private investment firm whose heritage includes the acquisitions of Dr. Pepper, 7-Up, and this went around, oh, the mid-80s or so. But this businessman turned artist and author has nine stunning photographic books to his credit and has done work for National Geographic... Time, Forbes, Life, numerous other publications and now has a great book out, Miracle Man, 100 Days with Oliver, which debuted on Amazon's hot new releases list in two categories, animals and pets and biography and memoirs the day before its official release, which which was just this month, January 3rd. Bobby, I want to thank you for being with us.
2: Jeff, it's a great pleasure to be with you.
1: And let's talk uh, a little bit about your winding career path that you've had since the 80s. My gosh, you've done so many great things.
2: Well, I I appreciate your saying that. I I, uh, tell people that uh, I'll let them know what I want to do when I grow up as soon as I do grow up. (laughs) Uh, I keep uh, changing careers. Uh, I started in the investment business uh, several decades ago and uh, was very fortunate in that area. But then I took a trip to uh, Africa and fell in love with the wild animals. I took my first camera along when I was 47 years old,
3: uh-huh. and
2: uh, which goes to show you can't let a half century go by on the clock and not decide
3: <laughs> what you really
2: uh, intend to do. Uh, But I did start uh, to take photography seriously and had the good fortune to bump into National Geographic along the way and uh, have published a series of five books with Nat Geo. Uh Uh, But I think I really poured my heart and soul into the latest phase of my career life with uh, this book, Miracle Man, about uh, Oliver.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's... it's really incredible, uh, the journey that, that you've taken up to now. National Geographic, such a great organization. We do a lot with them. We do a lot with Nat Geo, and they are fabulous. Now, tell us a little bit about Oliver, kind of uh, the track that uh, everything uh, has gone to, to make you want to write this book.
2: Well, I start off with the fact that Oliver truly is my best friend. And uh, you know there's the old saying uh, about a man and a dog being best friends. And uh, there is truth to that. There is literal truth to that in my case. I'm a very, very private individual. Uh, I've had my own bumps and bruises in in my childhood. And Oliver had uh, bumps and bruises in his. He was a foundling uh that we took in from uh, adoption at a no kill shelter. Uh and I simply fell in love with Oliver from the very first moment uh he came home. Uh and I think the thing about him that endeared me uh to uh the relationship is the fact that he went through so many tough times uh from birth on a whole series of medical crises. And he was just a tough guy. He was a fighter in the sense of hanging on for life mm-hmm. and attempting to lead a clan. Eventually, Oliver had five other uh, uh, half breeds around him, uh, but he was the clan leader. And I, I simply had a a closeness, a respect, a comfort from the relationship that I think is sometimes very difficult to duplicate in human to human contact because that's so complicated and with Oliver it was so straightforward and so simple uh and I found a lot of uh, love and a lot of comfort in that relationship and I think it was mutual yeah
1: I mean they know and I think you you know that you know this uh being with Oliver they know who cares about them and they know how much you care about them now, uh, how, when did you start uh, actually writing the book?
2: Well, as, as you probably know, and as, as some of your listeners will know, Oliver, um, by the time he was almost 14, mm-hmm. uh, had uh, a very advanced cataract. So he was almost blind. He was partially deaf. Uh, he had been through some severe bouts with an immune system that had gone haywire on him. Mm-hmm. And we were out in California for a week or so in August of uh, 2009. Uh, and Oliver took a tumble down an embankment and was paralyzed uh, from basically his waist down. He had massive doses of steroids to. Uh, stop the swelling and the inflammation in his spinal column to try to avoid his body shutting down. And we rushed him back to our home in Dallas and took him in to see a neurologist. And in the process of his workup, she said, you know, Oliver has a very serious and potentially lethal lung disease called pyothorax, which was literally choking him off. It makes it very difficult for the lungs to function. And he went into doggy intensive care. Uh And it was such a shock to my system because I assumed that Oliver was in the sunset of his life uh, but that it would be a slow and beautiful and gradual sunset. And all of a sudden, in a moment, uh, his, his life is at risk. And it was just so jarring for me. Yeah. And I went to visit Oliver every day, multiple times a day. Uh, at times he could not hear me, certainly could not see me, and the vets told us uh, it's very unlikely that he'll ever come out of intensive care. Uh-huh. And I talked to Oliver and I have a voice that uh, I adapted for Oliver to reply to me, and <laughs> I talked to Oliver and I said, listen, if you can make it out of intensive care, and live for just one hundred days that's all I ask of you. I just Uh want a hundred days with you I want you to be basically pain free and I promise you I'll write a passage about you every single day for a hundred days. And uh, on about the seventh day in intensive care Oliver started to rally and the vets were astonished Uh and by the tenth day he was off the life support systems he came home and for the next 100 days, I wrote a passage about him every single day. And I sent those passages to uh, an editor who actually was writing something about me and my photographic work. Uh-huh. And she said, you ought to stitch this together in the form of a book. And wow. that's the genesis for Miracle Man.
1: Wow. That, what, a, what a great story uh, of how you came about this now. Um when did that hundred days start
2: the, the hundred days I actually did uh, a calculation of that uh, the other day He came out of intensive care on uh, September 9th so the first day was September 10th of 2009 so Oliver is only about two weeks away from day 500 <laughs> so he's given me a lot more than I ever bargained for <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, you, you know, he, 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 he doesn't want to leave you, that's for sure.
2: No, I, I believe that, I, and I do believe, and I've seen this in the wild in, in doing photography for National Geographic for many years. I have seen uh, lions that are horribly uh, injured in a confrontation with other lions. I have had uh, photographs of zebras that have had parts of their hide ripped off. I've seen wild dogs or what are sometimes called painted wolves with snare traps around their bellies, that survive and i think just like with the human population some people have a greater will to live and more resiliency and more ability to withstand what shakespeare called the thousand shocks that flesh is there to, than others do and some just refuse to give up and Oliver just refuses or has refused to ever give up
1: (laughs) that's great that is outstanding now he and and he doesn't have it easy uh he really doesn't he has one of those uh little wheel carriers
2: he does uh oliver has what we sometimes call his truck his chariot his wheels (laughs) uh we rarely call it his wheelchair uh but once Uh, He was out of intensive care. We began a program of physical therapy because, as you probably know with the person as well, if you're paralyzed or partially paralyzed, you, you have to strengthen the rest of your body to take over some of the functions of the body that has been partially shut down. So we took Oliver into physical rehab. We were given home exercises for him Uh uh, and he was fitted for this two-wheeled chariot where you actually lift his body into a harness
3: Mm -hmm. his
2: back legs go through holes uh, in the netting Mm -hmm. and he has two right wheels for his uh, back legs and then his chest and his front uh, need to pull him around and it's not easy uh-huh. Uh, it's the only analogy I could give you, Jeff, is imagine if you were in uh, a wheelbarrow all day and half your body were in the wheelbarrow and you had to use your chest and your front legs to pull you around. Oh, yeah. Well, that's basically what he's doing. And in therapy, we work with uh, both his back legs, which had partially recovered, uh-huh. and the strength in his front legs and his chest. And. Uh, I must tell you, the other clan members are very jealous of Oliver. They think he has a Harley Davidson.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and did it, did it take him a little time to get used to it, or was he able to take right off?
2: He just took right off. Oh, when, when you first lift uh, an animal that's been injured like this into the two-wheeled chariot, the, the therapist said, now listen, Bobby, some dogs just refuse. To budge, and there's not much we can do if that happens. And we'll lift him in, we'll tighten the screws to make the fitting exactly right for his body. Uh, but you know, you have to be prepared that he may not move. Well, before they ever tighten the nuts and bolts, he was off. He uh-huh. thought that this is great, and off he went, and he was wheeling around the therapy room right away and um (laughs) i i will tell you i'm a very superstitious guy that was also the first day of the jewish new year Uh and uh i went to temple that night and i'm sure i was the only one in the congregation crying because i had a dog in a wheelchair who moved around
1: oh wow i mean you know that that the thing about it is he's with you (laughs) <laughs> and that's got to be one of the greatest feelings after everything that you and he have been through together. And I I, I salute you cuz it's not easy. Bobby, I tell you what, can you hang on with us uh, till after the break here?
2: I certainly can, no problem.
1: Great. Okay, we're talking with Bobby Haas and his new book, uh, Miracle Man, 100 Days with Oliver, and we're going to be back right after this. You're listening to the My Bunny Butch
0: Talk Show on the MBB Radio Network.
2: Let me try.
0: Okay, just remember what I showed you.
2: Yep, there was a bunny who had one big ear and another big ear. They looped a loop, made a bow, and the bunny hopped away. I did
0: it! Oh, good job, kiddo.
1: Now let's tie your other shoe. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one eight seven seven four dad four one one or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Miracle Man, 100 Days with Oliver is the new book by Bobby Haas. And we have him with us. And getting back to your last uh, statement about going to temple and uh, being superstitious, uh, you know, God bless you. Seriously. I mean, this is something I think that a lot of pet owners, a lot of people who are not pet owners cannot understand the bond that we have with pets. And I think this bond goes beyond just you and the pet. This is this is a, a God given gift, I think, to both of uh, both of us, the pet and the person. Don't you think?
2: I I totally agree with you. You know, I I believe, Jeff, that what a relationship with a pet often allows you to do it allows a man or a woman to bring out the very best of the human spirit yeah. and i mean that sincerely we yeah. cross over species lines when we have uh a, an animal which is our pet whether it's a, a dog or a cat or a horse or a guinea pig or whatever you're crossing over species lines which is an amazing Thing to witness. So you rarely see that in the wild, so it's not a natural thing to do. But the other thing is that it allows us to take over the care of a being that cannot care for itself. Yeah. Uh, it also brings out, I think, elements of kindness and simple love and respect and pleasure, and we also drop a lot of the trappings of uh, deceit or, or tension or some of the things that really hold people back yeah. from realizing their full potential. I think in some ways we realize the best of our spirit with our relationship with animals.
1: Oh absolutely. Well, Bobby, I want to thank you for taking the time out to be with us. Um, hey, you're welcome back absolutely anytime. We are going to have all your information, uh, the book cover on our after show blog at mybuddybutch.com. Your website again is miracleman.oliver.com. I want everybody to check that out. And the
2: miracleman, then dash, oliver.com.
1: Miracleman, yeah, dash, oliver.com.
2: Oliver answers all his emails.
1: Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, him and Butch should uh, get an office together somewhere.
2: A- absolutely. Have Butch th- after you read the book, have Butch send us an email to tell us what you think.
1: That sounds terrific, Bobby. Thanks a lot, and uh, keep us posted. Let us know what you're up to.
2: I definitely will. Jeff, it's a pleasure, and congratulations on what you're doing. When you go home at night, you should feel very proud of yourself.
1: And likewise, sir. I appreciate that, and hey, I look forward to uh, talking to you again. Take care. We love your pet
0: almost as much as you do, here on the My Buddy Butch Talk Show. Hi, I'm Ryan Seacrest for RAD. Over 300 people in this country are killed every week by a drunk driver. That's the equivalent of two 747 plane crashes every single week. And the problem isn't going away unless we all do our part to stop it. So if you see someone who's about to drive after drinking, get the keys, don't leave it up to anyone else. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
1: Okay, mbbradio.com is the website, and mybuddybutch.com. I only got about 30 seconds, so the dumbest thing I've ever seen was somebody running their dog on a cold winter morning holding a leash outside a window of a car. The dog running beside. It could have fell. It was a Dalmatian. It was a big dog. Don't do this. Get out of the car on a cold morning and let your dog run around. It was even in a fenced-in area. Come on, people. Let's get with the program. We'll be back with Joe Camp after this. You're listening to the My Buddy Butch Talk
0: Show with your host, Jeff Marginian, on the MBB Radio Network.
1: Okay, Joe Camp, and I don't know uh, if I can do uh, an introduction justice, <laughs> but uh, The Soul of a Horse, Life Lessons from the Herds, a bestseller, and the follow-up book, The Soul of a Horse blogged, Journey Continues, um, author, he, he, this is a nat- the first one was the national bestseller, this one here has got to be right on its heels. Joe, thanks for being with us today.
4: Oh, it is my pleasure. I am delighted to finally meet you and, and, <laughs> and to exchange stories, and uh, uh, looking forward to a long friendship.
1: Oh, absolutely, and uh, you have been into so many things, and, and our conversation before uh, we came on here, uh, uh, we could talk for hours. I mean, you know, I'm not that, I don't generally talk to a lot of people, <laughs> but wow. I think we have a, a good connection. And I really, I love the website. And tell us a little bit about uh, The Soul of a Horse First, the bestseller, uh, Life Lessons from the Herd.
4: Well, there's, uh, I, it, it's kind of weird because, you know, the, I, I think it's a fairly unique book because usually books like that are written by people with decades of experience.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And, you know, I've. I've probably had decades of experience trying to lure you into the heart and soul of a dog with benji Uh which is uh... which is our creation Uh and whatnot but this is trying to lure you into the heart and soul of a horse when four and a half years ago or a little less than that actually we didn't have a horse or a clue (laughs) (laughs) and and what really happened was that i managed because of a chance article that we stumbled over about Mar- Marty Roberts who is kind of the the horse whisperer's horse whisperer if you will and uh-huh. he, uh, on how a relationship should begin with a horse and I, the first that that I had my horse the first three that we had uh quite for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. I took this guy down to the round pen and wound up going through this join-up process that Monty Roberts has where you let the horse make the choice as to whether or not he wants to trust you or not Mm -hmm. and whether or not he wants to be in relationship with you and allow you to be his leader. Mm -hmm. And when all of that worked out just exactly like Monty said it would, (laughs) I just broke down crying. And I was just in a basket case and i turned around to him saying you said you trust me and i will make this life as good as i possibly can for you and i ceased to be a horse owner and kind of became a a, a partner a friend a uh, you know in relationship with this horse and just and said this is the way we're going to deal with all of our horses and the problem was i didn't have a clue how <laughs> what when and and so when I really began to dig into, I mean, they came to us with shoes on and living in stalls and doing all the typical things that horse owners do with their horses. Mm-hmm. And and as I began to ask questions about it, and shoes are where it really hit me first uh, because I was befuddled because Cash had shoes on his front feet and none on his back feet. Mm-hmm. And I was being told that if you... You know, you put a horse without shoes on on concrete and asphalt. His feet will crack and break and fall apart, and uh, he'll be dead. Yeah. And I said, "Well, wait a minute. You know, I'm, I'm doing all this research about wild horses, and they've been around for about 50 million years, and without us, most of that time. Yeah. And uh, people telling oh there's no, there's you know, no different species. Wild horses and domestic horses are totally different species.' Uh-huh. And I said, well, wait a minute, does that mean the cash cash is half and half or what? (laughs) You know, it kind of bothered me a little bit that the backside was where the wild side would be, not the kicking side. But, you know, so it didn't make any sense, and the logic pattern was being broken up, and so I started digging deeper into those sorts of things, only to obviously come to find out that the hoof is designed to flex and pump blood. It is designed as an extra heart, four extra hearts actually, uh-huh. and help the foot get circulation of blood and help the 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 blood get back up the leg to the heart. Mm-hmm. And when that first little piece of information came in, I called the vet and said the shoes are coming off. And he said, Whoa, wait! Don't you want to just kind of take one at a time and work it out? This is our vet. Yeah. And I said, No. And and I explained this to him. But this is the you know. And I I dug ever deeper and ultimately discovered that the domestic horse and the wild horse are genetically precisely the same. That it would take over five, probably closer to 10,000 years Uh to change the base genetics of any species, Uh horse or otherwise. And that if you take the horse in your backyard out to the wild and turn it loose, in 3 months time it is good to go it has grown the kind of feet that it's supposed to have to be able to be a prey animal a flight animal that runs from predators all the time who has to travel 10 to 30 miles a day looking for food and water and that sort of thing
3: mm-hmm.
4: and he will take and it's been proven time and time again you know mm-hmm. that that's, that is the case and it's and so the whole concept was just Coming down on us like you know the whole roof falling in <laughs> because it was busting. Out. We're sitting here saying, "How can this be? You know, how can we be? You know, the the voices in the crowd. You know, like the, the you know the only one that's marching to the wrong drummer kind of thing." Right. And it was, and so that's the more I found out, the more I said, "You know, I this is we got to." we got to get this out there and so that's where the book began and, yeah. and the soul of a horse is really our story our journey of this it's not a preaching book it's a it is a a very emotional story that, that carries you through And people have told me it's almost like reading a piece of fiction wow but it's not yeah. it's the real deal and, and then the soul of a horse blog which is the one that has just come out in late december mm-hmm. uh... is the the continuation of the journey, and it's called Blogged because I kind of went back to our blog mm-hmm. and lifted a lot of stuff off of that and then used hindsight and added chapters and, and spread everything out so that the, the depth of what we are learning, and we're continuing to learn every every step of the way that, you know, just when we begin to think that, oh, I got it now. Uh-huh. No, God says, slap, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: and,
4: uh, and you don't. But the 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 the, the fantastic news is that we we get emails every day from all over the planet, literally, uh, wow. you know, as far as Australia and South Africa and, and you know Europe and Eastern Europe and uh-huh. all over the place of people whose horses. Are now living happier, healthier lives. Oh,
1: that's great!
4: Because of these books, and you know, I wake up every day saying, "Who am I? What am I doing?" Yeah, you know, I don't have any business. I don't know anything. <laughs> and I, I got to, you know, and but you know and what? And we get these emails, and I say, you know, I have no choice. I have to have to
1: keep going. The thing about it is, I think in a lot of cases, it's better not to know anything going in and researching it properly so that you can make your own judgments and not be held uh, to the preconceived notions that are not necessarily correct as you say these shoes for years and years and years and years and why do you put shoes on your horse well because the vet said so well what's the purpose what's the reason you know these types of things and so by taking it and not knowing I think that you've done yourself a huge service and the horses that you have and to tell other people these same things.
4: Well it, you know, it is it's certainly uh stepping stones through controversial waters a lot of the time. But the, the the reality is the reality and the hardest part for us as humans. I don't I don't think most of the people who are not Giving the kind of care and, and feeding that they should to their horses, are doing it out of love. I don't. It's just they do not. We didn't know, you know, sure. when we when we got into this thing, we had no clue. And, and had had I not had this emotional experience with Cash, you know, we'd probably still have them sitting there in shoes, and maybe that's sure. the way they're supposed to be done. And sure. and I had I was doing a, a radio thing last week, and mm-hmm. this person says you got to you got to start begging. I said, I beg your pardon? He said, you got to start begging people to read these books because <laughs> I can say it here, but, you know, everybody else is not going to. And the problem is that you people need, if they have any desire to have anything to do with horses, never mind, have them already, Joe, or animals. Me, need to do
1: Let it. me interrupt you. I'm up against the break. We're talking with Joe Camp, author of The Soul of a Horse blog, best-selling author. We're going to be back right after this.
0: Boy, she's a lot of work. I don't think we were prepared for this when we decided to have her. If we could just find someone to help teach her the basics. Yeah, like getting her house broken. Naturally curious and eager to
2: learn, puppies can't teach themselves. Visit the American Kennel Club's website at www.akc.org to find local clubs and get advice on training and training classes and help your puppy become the very best she can be. A message from the American Kennel Club and new puppies everywhere.
0: I'm Marie Osmond. Choices, some are minor, others life-changing. But what if your small choices matter the most, like the stairs or the elevator, baked or fried? What if these small choices determine if you'll be the one out of every three women who die of heart disease this year? These choices might not seem life-changing today, but women are dying of heart disease at the rate of almost one per minute. Luckily, it's mostly preventable. Choose to act. Our hearts, are choice. Make your choice at GoRedForWomen.org.
1: We're talking with Joe Camp, and he is the author of The Soul of a Horse blog, Journey Continues, and it was just released in December, and it's the follow-up to the, the bestseller. Joe, what are some of the things that you have going on now for the book? Are you going to have any kind of uh, tour other than radio? Are you going to make appearances or anything?
4: Uh, you know, if I'm out and about, I do. We do a lot of, you know, we, we take Benji around a lot with, uh uh uh, benefits for shelters and things like that. And that's where we do most of it. and we'll we'll touch on media when we go into a town or something like that. But we're not we're not gonna do an official tour okay. on this. It uh you know, publishers don't like to pay for those anymore sure. and neither do authors.
3: <laughs>
1: so, yeah. so I hear ya, I hear ya. Now I know that you can uh your book is available online. Where can people uh see you uh online? Well,
4: you can you, the books are available both books are available, you know, basically wherever you know books are sold sure. and online, you know, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and you know are all the usual suspects okay. and our website, thesoulofahorse.com okay. uh will take you to either book or both or to Amazon or wherever and on our website we we try to personally inscribe everyone that goes out okay. uh Amazon is probably cheaper <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's okay too yeah. uh, but uh and there's a lot of good stuff on on the website and on the blog the soul of a slash blog is our website which kinda of keeps up with our journey and what we're doing today and you know we just discovered last week finally a way to keep the dang pond from freezing so that the horses <laughs> could drink water in the winter time yeah. and and so we put up that kinda of
1: stuff oh that's that is great though I mean seriously you know I I know I, I kinda went on before the break about how it's in some cases it's better not to know too much going in so that you can research it and you learn these things as you as you go along and and it really leads you to do the right thing in many cases where you may have been steered the wrong way by somebody else
4: that's that's very true and but the tough part still is us yeah you know it's hard to put them out there you know like blankets or one thing you know the horses don't need blankets. They shouldn't have blankets. It hurts their system that they they have generated over years, millions of years, to keep them warm and keep them whatever. Mm. And and, Little things like that when they're out there and they're doing the thing and being out 24-7, standing out there in the blizzard snow and... Uh-huh. Doing just fine, and you just want to reach out there and say, "No, it's cold. Don't you understand? I want to help you." <laughs> and you know, keeping hands off. Yeah, is, is uh, we had we had one get a, a an abscess in, in his foot, uh-huh. and you know, they're fifty million. Everybody was saying, "Oh, do this, do that. You know, soak it. This is the thing. Blah blah blah. Sure. Keep it keep it in a stall. Don't let him out." And finally, somebody, you know, hit me right in the heart and said, "You know, don't pick the horse's foot up. Pick yours up. Put him on the rail." Take a glass of wine and relax. Yeah. Let the horse deal with it, and he will.
3: Yeah. And sure
4: enough, in two days' time, he couldn't even put weight on it the, you know, when I was worried about it. And uh-huh. In two days' time, he was back to normal. Wow. It, it, the blood circulation in that foot, which it can do when it doesn't have a shoe on it. If it has a shoe on it, it can't flex. It can't circulate that blood. But the blood, blood circulation in that foot absorbed the abscess, and it disappeared completely, and it's gone.
1: Wow. Joe, you're a pioneer. I'm telling you, and, <laughs> and I, you know what? I could talk. We could talk for an hour. I want to invite you back because I that. The, we have so much more to cover. I think uh, interesting stuff to talk about. What you've been up to, Joe? Joe Camp, the Soul of a Horse blog. The journey continues. Pick the book up at uh, thesoulofahorse.com, and we're going to have all that information up on our website. People can click through to get to you. I appreciate you. Let's do it again.
4: Thank you. I'd love to. And I appreciate you. And thank you for all that you do, for being a vehicle for good stuff out there for the animals.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for noticing. (laughs) (laughs) You're
0: listening to the My Buddy Butch Talk Show on the MBB Radio Network.
3: Some students are tackling more than just their schoolwork, which is why more than 30% of them aren't graduating.
4: But with a boost from you, 100% of them will have a better chance to make it to graduation. Go to BoostUp.org to
1: find out how to give the high school students in your community the boost they need to make it through. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. Joe Camp, great guy. Great to talk to. Uh, We're going to have to get caught up with him again uh, in the coming weeks and talk a little bit about the Benji series of movies that he produced, how he got into that. I think that might be pretty interesting also. Uh, MyBuddyButch.com. And Butch at MyBuddyButch.com is the email address. We're going to have to get caught up on some of the emails and rescues. I haven't forgotten about them. In the coming weeks, we're going to be catching up with those guys, and we'll be back after this.
2: It's the Buddy Butch Radio
4: Talk Show with your hosts, Jeff Marginian and Butch. <laughs> Imagine that.
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for news and announcements. Okay, this last uh, week, I saw a news story that, uh, wow, I was touched by it. Now, the animals in Brazil, uh, with the devastating floods and mudslides that they've had there, you may have seen this story, uh, it it made the national news, but there's a dog, uh, named Leo, Leo, I think is how you pronounce it, L-E-A-O, has refused to leave the grounds, uh, the gravesite for a makeshift cemetery for victims of this of the of the flood and the mudslides in Brazil, and this is actually uh, this is actually out of Port Alegre, Brazil, and this dog's been sitting there for a couple days, waiting. Uh, knows its owners there, I imagine, recognizes uh, the scent. And just refuses to leave. So, you know, it's this type of thing that you you just hate to see. Um, it's sad. It's very sad. It's very devastating. And there's a lot. There's thousands of animals that have been displaced because of this. And not to mention the loss of human life. As of uh, last week, I think they were counting about 630 uh, people who've lost their lives to this. And, uh, you know, count your blessings. I know we have our problems here with the floods and mudslides out west. And uh, I don't think anything to this extent, at least not that I'm aware of. But uh, touching touching story uh, and a picture also. And we'll have that. That's going to be on the MBB Radio News uh, scroll. You can check that out. Check that story out with the link. That story's from treehugger.com. Yeah, treehugger.com. Check them out. Um, you know, this is part of the reason why I, I try to tell people, you know, people that don't have pets don't get it. Okay? If you don't have a pet, go to your local dog pound or your local rescue shelter, Humane Society, and just walk by those cages And look these animals in the eyes. And look at the expression on their faces. Yeah, they don't want to be caged up. Yeah, they're just animals and everything else. But you can't tell me that there's not something behind those eyes. I don't care how big and tough you think you are. If you go and look at these animals in the eyes, it'll get to you. It'll get to you. I'm telling you right now. There's just no other way to look at it. So this is why I keep talking about this type of thing. You know, these animals, there's, there's something there more than you realize. A couple quick announcements. Uh, uh, one, one other quick news story. Hip replacements are now becoming available for smaller pets. This is out of the New York Times. Smaller dogs and cats can now benefit from hip and joint replacement surgeries and large you know the larger dogs were the ones that usually benefited from this from uh like hip dysplasia and things like that but uh prosthetic hips knees elbows so they're doing a lot to further uh medical science in the veterinary field that's going to be never ending just like for people they're just going to keep right on going also i want to give a shout out to charlotte reed um every year at westminster and she started this uh A couple of years ago three years ago i think i was at the very first uh business of pet writing conference and this year it's set for february 12th which is a saturday in new york city and it's going to be it's hosted by charlotte and she wants to announce uh robin benefield site director and executive producer of animalplanet.com is going to be serving the keynote speech okay So she's going to be there. They always have a great uh, roundtable of publishers and agents to talk about pet writing and people who are interested. So check that out. MBBRadio.com is the site right here for my buddy Butch.